This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today, MD PhD students, Aline Sanduke. Hello. And LJ Agostinelli. Hey. And rising M4s, Tony Mai. What up? And Matt Wilson. Hey. Uh, Tony and Matt, you guys are embarking on your fourth year, as I said, which means you're preparing yourselves for interviews, which leads to residency. Um, what are you thinking lately in that area? What are you thinking about? What's, what's on your mind? for this process. Oh man, thinking about trying not to think about it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mean to bring up a sore, a sore subject. No, no, it's going to happen one way or the other. So, uh, <laughs> no getting away from it. No, I, I don't know. It's, it's exciting, but it's like nerve wracking at the same time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it myself. I just heard it's kind of fun to travel and see all the cities. That's what I'm looking forward to just getting to know different places around the U.S. Um, but going to enjoy fourth year. We're glad we're over that huge hump of a uh, core year. That was a, definitely a tough time. But now, hopefully, get some little more time in our hands, relax a little bit, and head into residency where, you know, we get some real training. Real training. <laughs> uh, As opposed to the fake training. Yes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so any, um, any advice you want to share with other students who may one day embark on the core year, the third year, the, the well, I guess uh, one and a half the year. It's weird because in Iowa we do what's, oh, not, yeah. I guess it's becoming more common, but in Iowa we get you into the clinics, you know, early or than um, other schools. So like after 18 months, you start your, your clerkships, but I'm still yeah. like stuck in the old days when I, when it was the third year. Anyway, we call, we should call it the core clerkship experience. Yes. <laughs> First <laughs> clerkships. Any advice? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just go into every, go into the year itself and every clerkship, like with an open mind and, um, you know, try and it's, it's hard because it's like, I don't know, to the comment about fake training, like it's, you're, you're actually getting trained, but like, you know, you like do a lot of work and you try really hard and like, it doesn't like really go very far, you know, like <laughs> you give your presentation you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, like, all right, so this is what we're really going to do, you know? And, mm. <laughs> um, I don't know that happened. That has happened to me. Out of <laughs> Tony's probably happen, 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 like, happens a bunch. Happens he's a bunch. like, ah, this is exactly what's gonna happen. The doctor's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Try and just try and like appreciate it for what it is, which is like an insane uh, whirlwind, growing experience. Um, and 
just try and absorb as much as possible and try and keep your head above water. <laughs> were there, were there things that uh, tripped you up um, in the beginning, especially? Um, trying too hard. Trying too hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, you, you know, you, everyone, you know, we all come in like really eager, really bright. Everyone's really excited to work with people and not be, you know, in a room studying all day. You have a sort of a fixed expression of, of joy at your new, like, <laughs> I'm here. Oh, absolutely. Ready to help. Dude, it's totally like, I look at the, the, like, I guess second years starting in clinic you, you now. Can see, and I'm like, oh my God, it. like, just chill, man. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, that's how I was, bro. <laughs> Definitely how I was, like. It's probably one of those things where like being overly eager will lead to a decrease in your grades, maybe. Well, I mean, sometimes you know. I, I do, uh, you know, I do see comments. Um, longtime listeners or even short time listeners will know that I sort of get to as part of my job, get to read uh, the comments from the clerkships. And I do see the occasional um, it's a backhanded compliment, I think, of is very aggressive about <laughs> about uh uh, finding learning opportunities. Oh my gosh. And I'm never quite sure if that's a good thing um, or if they're, you know, like if they mean assertive maybe, because assertive's fine. That seems really passive aggressive. I appreciate this person's enthusiasm as an effort to make up for their lack of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's definitely like, you can definitely come on a little strong. I think it's very common in medical students because, you know, like you're saying, like you don't really get to this position unless you're kind of like a go-getter, a self-starter. Right. But I think it's, I mean, I think it's a natural thing. And, yeah, you know. for sure. For sure. And like, you know, you're, you're here and, you know, worked really hard to get to the point where you have the opportunity to like learn these things and be involved in this stuff and um you know you want to get the most out of it you can but like you also have to realize that this is like a very like demanding job that the people you're working with are doing and you know the first priority is to take good care of the patients and like you know yes their job concomitantly is to like teach you and allow you to learn from that but like you have to pick the time and the place like you can't always be like in their face, like, you know, try like, can I help? Can a, I help? Can yeah, I help? Yeah. Can I help? It's a can learned, yeah. it's a learned skill. Like, you know, figuring out like when is the time and when is not the time, uh, to like be like, Oh, like, let me do this. You know, like if the patient's crashing, like maybe just stand and watch and don't like, <laughs> do too much, you know, yeah. Yeah. absorb, absorb. You know? Yeah. I've definitely noticed that about some of our classmates, um, where you can see the difference between people who like have been in like a more traditional employment environment and those who like kind of went straight through. Cause I've, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's good or bad, but definitely some people who have like have been subjected to like office politics will know when it's time to like step back and when it's time to recognize that there's a problem that you can fix without people even knowing that it's a problem and then immediately improving the efficiency of the, whoever you're working with i'll tell you what that'll get you the best that'll get you the the uh that'll get you a good comment if you can do stuff that helps the flow or the efficiency of a clinic and sort of be and, and do it without being asked yeah you know to do it i mean it's okay to be asked to do stuff that's that's totally cool um but if you can do it without 
without having been asked or, you know, sort of unobtrusively, Mm -hmm. um, people do notice that stuff. And, um, it's probably, it's probably a good thing to be able to do. Which to clarify, you're never going to be able to know how to do that when you start. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Nobody goes into their like core clerkships knowing how to do that. Yeah. It's a sort of like, I, I guess what I would say is sort of be on the lookout. Yeah. Um, for yeah. opportunities and maybe not try to do them right away, but you know, and it's not always like the most educational thing for you, like calling some outside hospital to track down records of some dude's cabbage from 16 years ago is like sucks to do, but it's like, you know, going to actually potentially be very useful. And it's, you know, not something that's going to like teach you a lot about like, medicine necessarily but it teaches you about how like medicine gets done and how like um you know like what it actually takes to take care of people like Mm -hmm. you do actually need to know like what this person's history is um and it's gonna make your team like you and appreciate you and then be more like apt to go out of their way to try and like reward you back for that in some way like be it taking time to teach you something or getting you involved in something yeah yeah. one question before i move on what is a cabbage oh uh (laughs) coronary artery bypass graft oh okay so like i was a vegetable yeah i was yeah i was i was really hoping it wasn't something i would have to edit out (laughs) yeah yeah okay good um it's a a legitimate medical procedure day (laughs) very common it's yeah, <laughs> I'm calling about somebody's cabbage. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, Where um, did you find the cabbage? Yeah. Oh. I was about imagining like a growth. Oh yeah, something oh, like growth. that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cauliflower <laughs> shaped. There's plenty of Warts. things like that. <laughs> Flaky, leafy. Oh, condyloma accumulata. Stop, stop. <laughs> uh, well, good. I'm. I'm. Um, I'm uh, happy that uh, that things are going well for you guys, that you're about to go into your fourth year, which is a time of, you know, basically looking around and seeing where you want to go and what you want to do with your life. You, you have your specialties picked out at this point? Uh, pretty much. I think I'm probably going to be going into emergency medicine mm-hmm. and uh, with like the probable eye towards critical care. Okay. So like ICU. Okay, stuff. cool. Uh, for me, I'm going to be going to ophthalmology, so... All right. Yeah, pretty excited. Well, good. Best of luck in your searches. I hope you'll, uh, you know, keep coming to shows and keep us posted. Um, both of you have not been on the show for a long time. I'm really sort of pissed oh, off about that. that. I know. Yeah. Well, we've been doing this thing that we've just been talking about. Don't care. For a year, yeah. We've been trying too hard. That's what we've been doing. Yeah. What a warm yeah. welcome back, Dave. Yeah. Pissed to see you. Gee, thanks. Pissed that I haven't seen you. Pissed yeah. that you're finally back. Uh, I'm hard to please. <laughs> I got a listener question from Caven this week, who was looking at our listing in the MSAR, the Medical Student Application Requirements um, website that uh, the American Association of Medical Colleges puts out. I think it was pronounced Kevin. Kevin. I think it even said it. He did it, say you know. Kevin. I'm sorry. Pronounced like Kevin. I'm sorry, Kevin. I blame your parents. <laughs> um, I blame yes. the alphabet. So, so yes, your parents and English language pronunciation. Uh, you were looking, Kevin. Kevin was looking at our uh, our listing in MSAR and trying to figure out which schools to apply to. Here's Kevin's question: I am currently applying to medical school and was looking forward to applying to CCOM. 
However when I was completing my school list, I realized CECOM graduates primarily enrolls into primary care residencies, with only 4% enrolling into surgery. Why is this? No graduates in neurology, ortho, radiology, plastics, ENT, derm, and anesthesiology? Uh, that's a fine question, Kevin. Um, I did, um... That doesn't sound right. No, it's not right at all. Yeah. <laughs> um... And I was probably because if you, I mean, I, I can't look at MSAR myself. I, you know, I don't have a subscription to it. It costs 28 bucks. And, you know, I don't think I ever looked. <laughs> I never bought MSAR. Sounds like it's not worth the money because all that's very wrong. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there, there are two, I, I talked to our admissions folks about it. Um, and there are two things that work here. Um, there's a problem with MSAR and how they list stuff. And there's also another factor that the MSAR doesn't control. First, um, the MSAR's problem is that it doesn't allow colleges to list matches that are below um, a certain threshold, like 5% or something like that. Um, in our case, mm. um, th that, you know, that accounts for, you know, something like 31% of our matches it's like you know a third of our class are highly specializing it seems that's right the other problem is that uh, most schools think most schools count uh in primary care internal medicine mm -hmm. all right yeah that counts and um you do subspecialty off of that but stuff. yes many people end up going into um into other you know sort of subspecialties cards or gi right or Right. So, um, so yeah, it went, when you see, you know, like a huge number, you know, when you see college says, oh, all these people are going into primary care, you have to take that with a grain of salt because eventually they will not be in primary care. Many of those people in internal medicine, for instance. Um, I believe it's uh, family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, mm -hmm. and uh, OB. OB are considered primary care, right? Yeah. yeah. Plus internal medicine, yeah. Um, at least for the, for the purposes of schools, uh, yeah. counting. Um, so, uh, yeah, my advice when looking at these figures is to, um, you know, back it up with some original research. Um, you know, this is, this is a typical, I think this is a, sort of what people mean by, you know, relying on primary versus secondary sources. Yeah. Um, it's always best to reach out to the schools that you're thinking of applying to and finding out exactly what. Um, yeah, if you go to the CCOM, like if you just Google Carver College Medicine Match Day, it'll take you to the page where they have like a breakdown of like, I don't know, it's like the last five years of the match yep. here and the it'll list. tell you exactly. It's actually since 1999. Well, that's you can go back. You yeah. can go way back if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly wow. what, like the name of the person, the specialty they matched into the program, like for, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, reach out to your colleges, um, that Most you're interested in and, um, and find out what the real story is. Um, uh, I don't know if you just sort of, I don't know if Kevin just sort of assumed that MSAR would have its, would have its shit together, um, enough to provide a real answer or if, uh, you know, no offense, Kevin, or if you were being lazy, I don't know, but no offense to <laughs> you know, maybe a little bit offensive. <laughs> Kevin, I, we still love you. I will say, I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be hard to assume that the AAMC, the American Association of Medical Colleges, is is you know presenting information that yeah. is, uh, you know, perfect. Yeah, they're not because wrong that's their think. job. Yeah, mm -hmm. I will say though that there is like an emphasis on primary care at a school like Iowa. Like you know, it's a oh yeah 
public state school in a rural state yeah. that has a shortage of primary care physicians and like a goal of their of at the school is to um you know produce people who will be primary care doctors mm-hmm. for people in the state of Iowa particularly yeah. like rural areas mm-hmm. and like you know we do we have a couple of required clerkships like the um, community medicine clerkship that you do that are geared towards that so you know it's like you can go into any of the specialties you know you can go to neurosurgery or whatever you want yeah um and i guess if you wanted to know that is like they do you know emphasize the need for primary care physicians and a lot of people do end up going into that just because of the nature of with that um, said i feel like the class above us last year's graduating class on ortho in our class well my old class your class is all going we'll, into emergency medicine. We'll take you. We'll take, yeah, that's, that's very sweet. Yeah, a ton of EM people in our class. And yeah, I think there was like, well, there's like 12 or something like ortho people in the last class. Yeah. Which is so I, I understand. I feel like primary care was like talked about during M1 year, but I feel like. I kind of <laughs> consider emergency medicine primary care, like in my own head, just because there's a lot of primary care it's that the, happens. It's in the, the first, yeah. it's the first yeah. place people go sometimes. Yeah, it's the only place a lot of people yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, good luck with your search, Kevin. Uh, I do uh, hope to see you at CECOM. That would be swell. Come on the, on the podcast and, and uh, explain that, you, uh, that I was wrong, that you weren't being lazy, that you were just a victim of bad information. <laughs> Come to CECOM to prove us wrong. Prove us wrong, Kevin. Uh, yeah, truly, though, best of luck. Um, let's take a break because I want to say... Guys, listeners, hosts, is, are your torsos naked right now? <laughs> Neg- negative. Completely nude. <laughs> no, but we wish there were different things on them. Will oh, you tell us about it? Well, that's convenient because <laughs> I've got what you need. Some damn fine t-shirts available in heather blue and heather black with a cool graphic look and a really soft feel. You could reach into your closet and grab an old smelly shirt that needs a good Febrezing and has, you know, perfectly placed holes in it that if you want to treat yourself to a delightful t-shirt experience head on over to the shortcode.com store to spend a tiny 15 bucks to get one of ours purchase su- purchases support our charity of this semester the national alliance on mental illness and its mission to end the stigma associated with things like depression and other disorders again that's the shortcode.com store there's good news in medical diversity my friends The number of students underrepresented in medicine is on the rise. For instance, the number of black students rose by 4.6% from 2017 to 2018. Uh, Native Americans have increased by 6.3% during those years. Um, And before 2009, the number of black medical students, for instance, had been decreasing every year. But that year, that was the year that the Liaison Committee for Medical Education, the group that accredits uh, medical schools, started dropping the hammer uh, on the schools, forcing them to create diversity policies and practices that encourage and ensure diversity. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, in 2016, the University of Missouri Columbia Medical School faced complaints of racism, uh, student protests about diversity, and the LCME decided that it was non-compliant in meeting diversity requirements. And by the way, if you're non-compliant with the LCME, that's bad news. 
Um, since then, after uh, a lot of, after some high level resignations, the school worked really hard to increase its enrollment of minority students and it doubled their numbers in, uh, in two years, which is, which is good. Um, many schools have responded to the increased pressure by adding funding and personnel, uh, devoted to, uh, the effort. And, uh, the progress so far is proof that if a school really wants to, or is forced to want to, uh, they can, um, Still, though, st there are things that need to be done. Uh, there's an entrenched desire to have students with high MCAT scores, which, for reasons having nothing to do with ability and more to do with socioeconomic inequities, are harder for minorities to attain. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things we're doing this summer here at the Carver College of Medicine is the SHPEP program, which is the Student Health Professions... Education Program. This feels like a real shoehorned... Acronym. I'm just, well, you know, it's not an easy one, but basically brings in, um, it, it, you know, it allows uh, uh, students from all over the country to come and um, meet people uh, like them, people who are um, minor underrepresented in medicine. Um, it's a, it's a, I think an eight week program um, and you get to hang out with uh, your fellow pre-meds from other schools. It's really kind of, kind of a cool thing. Yeah, so I'm part of the mobile clinic here on the board, and the Chappep students actually work with us too. So they get some real clinical experience going out to our clinics and working with patients real early. Mm -hmm. We we did a we did a show last year, a couple shows last year um, with Chappep students, um, and uh, Tony, Tony, Kone Teneme, um, who hosted uh, who helped host those shows. That was a lot. Those were a lot of fun. Um, so if you want to learn more about that program, you can go back and listen to that. This month in a paper in Nature Microbiology uh, features authors that say they have found an easy and economic way to convert A and B red blood cells for type O cells, oh, yeah, the universal donor yeah. type. Um, this is super cool. I mean, I think we've known I, from what from the article, you know, this is not something that we didn't think was possible, um, but it wasn't easy to do. It didn't work on didn't work real well on whole blood. Um, so you can just like, you know throw a chemical into you know type in into type a blood shake up the little bag and then and then squirt it into a patient um but uh yeah so so there wasn't a real good solution uh but it turns out all the researchers had to do was look into our gut microbiome wow uh some bacteria in the gut get energy from eating the sugars found on the cells lining the gut these are the same sugars that give blood its type and they found a particular bacteria Flev oh God, Flavonifactor plauti that did this particularly well because it sticks well to nearby structures on the surface of blood cells and is really good at snipping off the required antigens to convert blood cells type. I just think that's pretty cool. That is pretty mm -hmm. cool. That's that really fancy cool. schmancy actually. Yeah. Maybe some of our scientists could enlighten us on how, why, how that works and why and, and what we can do about it. Yeah, so maybe I'm, some of our scientists potentially studying completely different things. <laughs> I'm not getting a PhD Enzymes. in everything, Matt. Totally. Um, so I'm not super familiar with the science, but it kind of makes sense. There's a lot of enzymes that we isolate from a variety of bacteria that we then use for like industrial purposes or commercial purposes. So, because mm -hmm. um, in principle, that is the difference. I think is the type of carbohydrates on the surface of yeah. red blood cells, and so just a glycosylation chain. I think so. Yeah. I didn't look super into it, but that, that sounds, it sounds like a very elegant solution to a pretty far reaching problem. Like this could change mm -hmm. the face of medicine. I mean, we're always asking for blood donation. Every institution is always having shortages and yeah. This Type could, O blood is particularly valuable, but you still have to get 
people that give blood in general, right? Yeah, I have a friend who well, has type O blood. Maybe this could be, yeah, a big draw for people. Now everyone can be a universal donor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now there's no excuse for not giving your blood. Yeah. So know, we can I, guilt trip people so like much more. I we're going to see it in the near future that you don't need to donate blood. That it's all going to be grown. That's true. In vitro. Yeah. I know that there's some DARPA. Manufactured blood or something like that. Yeah. I know there's some DARPA studies about it. I mean, like, because like, you know, you don't, if, if, and then, you know, like overseas, if you need shortages for soldiers and stuff like that, if you could just grow it and ship it over in like a large quantity or set up a lab over there yeah. and just grow it in. Yeah, much more convenient. I get the feeling that a lot of the benefit of this, at least in the beginning, will be to uh, in emergency rooms, um, in situations yeah. where you just don't have time to to uh, you know do blood type. What do they call that? Cross match. Yeah, cross match uh, blood types. It's, um, yeah, I'll let you finish your thought. No, I I I was desperate to not have more words come out. Did you, you were looking for a rescue. Yeah. Yeah. All I was going to say is They're that. They're on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like this technology is going to be disproportionately more important in a country with such a high proportion of gunshot wounds too, because sure. a lot of people die just from sheer blood loss. And mm -hmm. We can't help them out of that situation. The other thing they mentioned um, as a possibility is the, you know, if they can work out a way to perfuse organs with this enzyme uh, safely, then maybe they could convert organs um, from, uh, you know, to, to a more transplant, universally transplantable organs, I guess. Oh, interesting. So I think I, yeah. I wonder if it would wreak more havoc in the organs, though. Well, those 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 sugars got to be on that cell for some reason, right? <laughs> well, I was going to say. No, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it so maybe it sounds like they're talking about treating the donor organ with this enzyme before it's transplanted into a patient. Yeah. Okay. That makes, okay. That makes a little more sense. Isn't, I mean, organs are more about the HLA haplotype, That's what I was right? About. Rather than the like glycosylation chains on the red blood cells. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, conceptually, it sounds like a nice idea. You just have to find the right enzyme to clip the right yeah. antigen Maybe for off. blood, uh, like, um, Stem, cell. or something? Or stem I, cells was I, I, another one they mentioned as well. Bone marrow, yeah. That would make sense for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Super sweet. Guys, do you know any surgeons? None. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Are they very unprofessional, rude, or shouty in the operating room? <laughs> what am I supposed uh, to say? Yes? Like, yeah. <laughs> you might, we're trying to, if we're you, trying to graduate here, Dave. This is a leading question. <laughs> if yeah. you happen to know any... Uh, rude or abrasive surgeons you might want to tell them to calm the heck down this week yeah you tell them to calm the heck this. Down. you yeah. let well, us know how that goes here's the thing now. now you can present them with science uh, we just drop this article on their desk yes. to see how our grade goes yeah. from there yeah because that's what's just tiptoe in when nobody's yeah when nobody's you know around and Drop it on their desk. Oh my God. This week, a study in JAMA found that the patients of surgeons who behave unprofessionally around their colleagues have more complications. The authors looked at almost 14,000 patients and 200 surgeons using a database of surgical case reports that included mentions of four types of unprofessional behavior, unclear or disrespectful communication, poor or unsafe practices, lack of integrity, and failure to follow through on professional responsibilities. Surgeons with one or more 
of the unprofessional behaviors in the previous three years were 12 to 14% more likely to experience complications within 30 days of their operations. These included things like infections, pneumonia, stroke, kidney failure. Um, there wasn't any, there wasn't any work done to find out which of the unprofessional behaviors was like the worst or anything. All those things sound like they'd be bad for doing a good job for your your surgery for your patients like how do they unclear communication like kind of need that to be clear you know yeah yeah the lack of of integrity in particular is kind of terrifying (laughs) yeah i was just wondering how did they even get consent from the uh surgeons to do this yeah Yeah. telling them the objective we want to know if you're well, Crappy behavior is correlating to your uh, well, I'm so glad rate. you're asking me, but I'd be happy to tell you about the last time yeah. I was an asshole. So let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they is... have like, it's like they have PSNs at this institution, patient safety network, something like that, uh-huh. which is like a report that anybody can fill out about mm-hmm. any person or situation that they feel was unsafe for a patient. So they probably use some version of that, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. See, I see. But probably just like, did they say institutional like, consent. which, I mean, I'm, I was looking through it and I couldn't. See, like at a glance, just find out what type of surgery, what type of surgeons, like, is it all general surgery, surgery, s- plastics, ortho, like what do we? I'm going to say general surgeons because that sticks out in my head. Mm-hmm. Could be totally wrong about that. Um, but you need to have like kind of a more hetero or homogeneous type of surgeon because they're doing very different procedures yeah very different complication <clears throat> rates and it's just it's, i don't know I'm sure you could probably it does say that somehow but 70 of them were men but that doesn't give us any yeah that's just surgery, that's just surgery. right <laughs> yeah. it said it was reviewed at vanderbilt stanford uh, maybe just those two vanderbilt yeah it just says vanderbilt and no specialty that's a lot of maybe yeah. it's just all that's inclusive a, yeah mm-hmm. Well, anyway, be I would nice. Say all the all the surgeons that I've worked with at Iowa, not I'm not just saying this, have been very nice. There are times in surgery where you ha- where surgeons have to be like a little bit short and like to yeah, the like, point, and they can't mm-hmm. really like be like, "Oh, hey, I would love it if you would be," you know, like it's you know because it's like there's shit going down, like yeah. Um, and but it's not like yeah. about being mean, you know, like it's about just like getting the job done and like being clear about what you need and what needs to happen. So. I think that's part of the challenge is that some people see directness as rude or impolite. Yeah. And sometimes there's just no time you have to be direct. I think, I, I mean, I think uh, hopefully there's some attempt made to distinguish in, in these reports that they analyzed um, in the reports themselves, whether something is, you know, run of the mill, everyday directness yeah. and actual rising to the level of disrespect or, or unsafe or yeah, like did know. they did yeah. they actually look into what the report or the complaint was i would the merits of it were rather right. than just taking it at face value that would probably be important um so it says here that they performed okay by the way it does say all surgeries it says general vascular gynecological okay. plastics mm. whatever mm. but they show the breakdown but it says they performed it's nice that somebody actually looked at the actual study thank you sorry yeah I see i told you that we need the scientists <laughs> hello man i hear just taking everything yeah. <laughs> just like, I'm like yeah i don't know man that sounds all right like no. okay well i mean she's no, no, an asshole she's being very reasonable because she knows that i was like you know skimming the article this morning to come up with something to talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah today. <laughs> yeah but look i'm doing it like in real time it's not like i read it beforehand so I sorry listeners <laughs> love your moxie awesome uh, lj thank you um two things one obviously it's, re- it's a retrospective study so it's like 
mm. correlated is not causative. So like, I mean, honestly, you could say if maybe for some reason the type of surgery you do has a high mortality or infection rate, like maybe you're becoming more curmudgeonly and short. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe right? you're just like, more uh, jaded. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're just like, everyone's going to die uh, anyway. I don't know. So what you're saying, wait, wait I'm, I'm, not, I'm not clear what you're saying. Like their, their, their outcomes are becoming so crappy that they're grumpy about it. <laughs> yeah, like maybe their personality is <laughs> affected by their job and not their job is being affected yeah, by their personality. Yeah, it's the other way around. You know, chicken and egg. I hadn't thought of that. It's correlative, not, you know, causation going on because it's a retrospective study. But the thing that I thought is is kind of funny that I just scrolled past, it says that they performed three sensitivity analyses um, to, I don't know if it's to try to control for surgeons years of experience to assess the possibility that the surgeon might experience or be inexperienced for the complications and risk. A second one was for um, possible cultural differences between study sites in terms of willingness to report unprofessional behaviors and differences in outcome. Mm -hmm. And the third one is to um, exclude the number of members with incomplete follow-ups, whatever. So like they attempted to basically be like, you know, like, oh, we don't want all of this cultural, you know, group to be seen as short because that's the way that they communicate in a position of power or whatever. I don't know. I've noticed that emails from surgeons to me tend to be very, very short. Yes, because they don't got time for one. Like, like their notes. <laughs> like one-liners. Yeah. yeah, they're an efficient, an efficient bunch. Dave, do this. That's what the, that's what the yep. emails are off. No capitalization, no yep. punctuation. No, exactly. No salutation, it's like, no sign-off. It's like a really grumpy email. Their name is like one letter with a Just dash. To the point, to the point, if that, yeah. It's like a really grumpy E.E. E. Cummings wrote me an email. <laughs> I like this here too in the limitation section. It says coworkers may have differing thresholds for reporting surgeon behavior mm-hmm. and the report of the observed behavior may be subjective in nature. So it's basically like some institutions, everyone might yeah, be so too scared to say, like, no, how could they, you really? But they didn't look at the actual report and they're like, yeah, this sounds legit it's, or like, oh, at, this sounds like BS. Somebody I appreciate to. that it's there in the. Because I will say sometimes those reports can be like, they're a little bit, you know, can be used like for political, mm-hmm. you know, or like, you know, somebody's just like butthurt that, you know, their ego yeah, got, got yelled at or yeah. something. Yeah. So they're didn't like say please. using it for retribution <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, not I hate to say it, but there's a spectrum. Like doesn't happen. Yeah, so yeah. Some of them are like more legit than others. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know. Moral of the story. Take it easy, surgeons. <laughs> Take I mean, it easy they have a hard job. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody. Yeah. Take it easy, yeah. everybody. Speaking of uh, research, I just was really curious if anyone else had heard this. I saw this in the news and was just kind of bewildered. Anyone heard of horns growing in the back of your head? Dave, yes. You? Were you yes. going to bring that up? I was going to mention it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, this this is a, a, a study, a radiological study, right, of... Um, of uh, uh, basically, uh, I think, adults... Um, young adults, and they found, oh, yeah, and they and they uh, noticed that the um, what do they call them? The horns, like bone spurs. The bones. They they, really they noticed. They, but this is like a normal protuberance. It's where um, um, the, muscles and ligaments attached uh, in the back of your head. I don't the know. Little, if, the I don't know if it's that high. It's called the inion. It's like the a os- attachment. Uh, for, that was like the occipital protuberance. Like that little. Yeah, it's another. Yeah, I think it's the same. Let's call it that. Um, it, it actually might not be that though, so I'm not sure no. what they're talking about. I forget. <laughs> but it's basically, an actual bump on the back of your head for attachment for muscles. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But basically, they the the what they've noticed is that in these people, these these uh, bones, these protuberances appear to be getting longer. And the the theory 
by the researchers is that they're bent over, they're bent over yeah. looking at cell phones. So cell phones are, so the headlines that I kept reading Interesting. were, uh, were things like, you know, your children are growing horns because of their cell phones. <laughs> wow. And oh, of course God. it's all bullshit. You know, they're not growing horns because of their cell phones. I mean, there's a number of problems with the study itself um, that I, that I uh, learned about. Um, it's the big horn surgery corrective surgery industry yeah trying to lobby <laughs> trying to take over horns Just shave your I don't want my down a little bit i don't want my babies to have horns no i mean that that does make sense though like because if you're like if if in especially in like a developing skeleton if there's tension on like a tendon insertion or something like that the actual like bone will grow it's more. kind of the point if, yeah we'll, yeah it's we'll, kind we'll, of stress well, yeah if there's it. like stress yeah. place on it it'll like it'll adapt to that and like you know grow more prominent and so if, i mean kids probably are looking down at their phones more often which would stress the like paraspinal muscles i'm thinking back to like muscles. our ape days i mean like we were, <laughs> we were bent over all the times too doing stuff Looking, well, you look. You want to look berries like, and looking uh, down yeah. constantly. <laughs> if you want to look like an ape, go ahead and use yourself. Yeah. What is it? I wonder if they looked at the. Uh, it's like the spinous process of their seventh cervical vertebrae does the same thing. I wonder if they looked at that and see if that got had any. So basically, effect. a hunchback. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. They're they turning additionally into kyphosed. Yeah. Kypho is that a, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's kyphosed. Sounds good. Mm. Kyphosed. <laughs> what does that? Could you? <laughs> what does that mean? What? Of or pertaining to kyphosis. Uh, oh wow! Well, okay, <laughs> no, it makes it totally clear. Yeah, Perfect. there you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Basically, bending forward. Yeah, an excessive uh, curvature of the spine forward. Yeah, as opposed to lordosis, which I remember. Con I remember is convex like a, versus concave yeah, spine, right? Yeah. yeah, lord meaning like someone who's like a lord. Yeah. Okay, ah. the audience can't see me, but my co-host can. She's in a power stance audience. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Looking very stately. She's always in a power stance. <laughs> that is uh, not true. People, you know that. <laughs> I resent that implication. I spent a lot of time <laughs> bent over, actually, looking at my phone. So. <laughs> at my science thinking. Yeah, my, on the bench top, pipetting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anthropologists apparently have been studying the human skull for a long, long time. Phrenology. It's a debunked science. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There I don't is. know. I don't trust someone with such a prominent tip of the nose <laughs> to be making. <laughs> I'm, just I'm looking at you, Matt. Yeah. One of suspicious. Somebody not associated with the study says there is no known direct association between uh, uh, this problem and prolonged habitual activity. Um, they uh, ignored a bunch of uh, anthropological. Uh, knowledge about um, about this uh, this uh, situation, these these protuberances, and um, the study, the the published study, which actually came out a couple of years ago, and of course is only just being noticed by journalists who are like, "What the hell are we going to publish about cell yeah, phones?" It's a slow, slow news week. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were no figures. There was one chart that um, is probably wrong. It doesn't make the chart doesn't actually make sense uh, when you when you look at it even a little bit closely, and there's no. Uh, tables in the thing there's no data actual data in the thing to in the study to actually look at so yeah. there's a number of problems with this uh with the, this research the thing about lay popular science is you can't trust any of it wait but it's <laughs> so, in it's in nature i don't know oh my god the what? nature it's called prominent <laughs> extosis projecting from the occipital squama more substantial and prevalent in young adult than older age groups 
Listen, let's not forget that the what? Lancet published the Wakefield study. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. nature is this seems to be significantly respected. less harmful. <laughs> of course. Yes, that's fair. Right. I am not ready to take away my children's cell phones <laughs> or, or devices. Yeah. Um, you I don't probably you know, do it because I don't, of the dopamine circuit response look, that it creates in the brain. Which if is they bad, started but. growing horns out of the front of their heads, I probably still wouldn't take it away because cell phones are responsible for giving me a lot of peace. Dude, that's true. I so like in my EM rotations, like a lot of times, you know, if there's kids are sick, but you have to like have them be calm to do things to them. Just pop and, a cell phone in their hands. Yeah, and like it's the the. I mean, I grew up before like smartphones were a thing. And but nowadays, like that's like if you want to shut the kid up and make them calm and quiet and sit there still, all the parents have to do is give them a cell phone. Mm -hmm. and they are like sh completely shut down. Like it's 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 seems harmful. I'm not gonna lie. It seems well, not great. in my like, day better than opioids yeah. though maybe. But it's it, is it though because it, they've shown that they, that that uh, well like, they're their kids natural create, like, dopamine response circuits in their brain, like reward circuits in their brain to smartphone like stimulation i mean mm. it may just be like the most extreme iteration but like in our day we had game boys and that was a good way to keep kids quiet That's when they true. had it you we know did have pokemon yeah i mean there were every remember tamagotchis yeah. oh geez or yamagotchi every we technological i didn't until just now but yeah, yeah remember <laughs> there was there was always something you could put in yeah. a kid's hand like some kind of tchotchke to keep them occupied but this is like disproportionately more engaging than any other technology we've ever yeah. had. I don't know. Every technological advance that humanity has ever produced has been accompanied by cries of like, oh my God, the world is, it's destroying society. You know, the car That's true. was one of them. The radio, the television, <laughs> Apparently the computer. When, yeah. When cars first came out, a lot of people were like, humans were not meant to travel at these speeds. This is unnatural. <laughs> Socrates <laughs> lamented the invention of the book because it meant that students didn't like learn and to recite as much yes uh, interestingly like interestingly your basic science professors lamented lamented the creation of the podcast because it meant that they didn't have to go to lecture anymore <laughs> yeah if well, they didn't want to that's true yeah <laughs> also creation of the powerpoint uh, i'm sure yeah. yeah yeah these kids and their their panopto their lecture capture <laughs> anyway I mean, but the tablet's pretty weird. Like, I remember the first time when I when I went into the the new Peds hospital and I saw like the cradles that are in there, and then they all have a a tablet attached to the cradle, yeah. like inside the cradle. Oh, I was like, no way. That's interesting. No way. That's wild. What is what what are the tiny babies using a tablet for? They're watching like Disney movies and stuff. Like I was in there, like you know, trying to do a physical exam on a baby and who's squirming, and they're like, hold on, put on Moana. She'll sit totally still. Yeah, true. It's and like they like their necks are hyperextended, so they could like look up at this tablet, and and then they you know they let you do your thing because they're, well, that's they're watching Moana. You're starting them so young. You know what? That's, I, that's the other thing you got to know is like what the kids are watching these days. Like Paw Patrol, yeah. Peppa Pig. Learn so mm -hmm. much about what yeah. the, what the new stuff the talk, is. Yeah, know? right, right. <laughs> they don't want power. Rangers, what is that? Like, yeah. yeah. I went to, I, I did have to bring uh, my son to, we did have to bring my son to the e, to the ER once for stitches. He had uh, mm. sort of run into the corner of a wall on Thanksgiving day. And uh, <laughs> run into all that turkey. Quote unquote. I don't, yeah, it was after Thanksgiving. Get some jacked up. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it took four of us to hold this little four year old oh, down yeah. on oh, the yeah. table. And, uh, you know, Maybe a maybe a maybe a tablet is a better option. You know, it's a little less. You know what also works great? Yeah. Ketamine. 
<laughs> little, little, little. Can it, you, it's awesome. Can you spray ketamine? Is there like a Valium spray? Oh uh, yeah, you can. can. There's sublingual ketamine. They don't really use it in here. But. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> Put your kid in the K hole and stitch him up real good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a back alley downtown where you can get a tinker for ten. Yeah, yeah. Just ask Matt. I mean, very non-medical advice here. Right after this podcast, he's got some in the backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, when Americans have no insurance, no access to medical care, or just too freaked out or lazy to call a doctor, they turn to the most reasonable place to get answers oh. to their body questions. Yay! Yahoo Answers, of course. Oh, Let's see what advice. Uh, Yahoo. Let's see what advice you definitely do not have for some of the questions that I found here. That's my that's my disclaimer. That's my effort to ensure that we don't get sued by somebody who actually listens to your mm. uh, advice on these questions. Let's start with this one. I know Yahoo Answers isn't the place to seek medical advice. Duh. But I have a lot that I thought was a lipoma as it's soft and palpable. It hasn't grown in size in almost a year and is not painful. However, the surrounding area is tender, and I'm worried it's something more serious like a sarcoma. I've been to my primary care physician and gynecologist due to its location and they think it's a swollen lymph node, but it's been that way for over a year, and I don't know that I believe that. Not trying to discount their medical degrees, I just was trying to gather the opinion of others. <laughs> Did she say she went to the gynecologist because of its location? She's Apparently the gynecologist was located like right downtown near bus stop. Bartholin you know, gland cyst. Maybe that was boom, <laughs> done. What is oh, that? Uh, there you go. Bartholin gland cyst. Yeah. Uh, there's these little things called Bartholin glands on the like vaginal introitus mm -hmm. that secrete like I don't know, fluids mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> glandular things. Yeah. <laughs> so they can get lubricating fluids. And you just get stopped up. Female like things. It. Yeah. It gets, yeah, it gets, that's exactly what happens. It's and, actually uh, legit. Yeah. It can be like, it can just swell and be there or it can like get infected and become painful. I love gotta, this. Gotta get it drained. Yeah. This is the first question I've ever read. We do Yahoo Answers all the time. This is the first question I've ever read on Yahoo Answers where they acknowledge that this is not a good idea me asking yeah. this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. 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 It was a pretty reasonable question too. Like they knew... You know, some of the lingo, lipoma, yeah. or it could be a mm -hmm. sarcoma. I don't know about yeah. sarcoma, but a lipoma. Yeah, I'm just taking, totally taking a stab in the dark there. But if OBGYN didn't give you the real answer, I probably can't. So <laughs> I wonder if it's True. because it was like in the fold where the leg connects to the pelvis, like maybe in that area. Should be in that area. region. Yeah. The, the interogenous region. Yes. Look yeah. At, look at Matt's. Nice. He's like a. It's like a fourth year. I know. I've <laughs> forgotten everything textbook. below the eyes. So, <laughs> Can't yeah, ask that's me. what I'm talking about. EM, you got to know a little bit of everything. And that's like, I have approximate knowledge of many things, but specific <laughs> knowledge of almost nothing. So. All right. Well, very good. I think you're, I think you're okay, uh, questioner. Uh, if two yeah. MDs have decided you're okay, yeah, maybe you're okay. I but... shouldn't take our advice for anything. <laughs> She's um, just seeking a third opinion from. People who know nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> blind leading blind here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's try this one. My son got a bit of sunburn on his arms today at football practice. I was looking up some quick home remedies and apple cider vinegar kept coming up, so I tried it. I diluted it with a little water and had barely started patting it on his arm when he started freaking out and said it was lighting his skin on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vinegar sounds like it would hurt. Because you're putting acid on a burn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, what is it with people have they not heard about like lotion and like aloe vera? Are, yeah, aloe vera I think aloe vera like would be a. That was like the primary case. comment of everyone like, why did you choose? Why didn't yeah. you use aloe vera Make or it something? Way more complicated than it needs to be, ma'am. Just water even would be. 
Yeah. A, a cold fine, bath. A fine idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Apple cider vinegar is has a big uh, has occupies a big space in the home remedy. Like literally, apple cider vin- vinegar is like the fibromyalgia of cleaning products, <laughs> yeah. and it drives me up the wall. Like I've actually never heard of it. This is crazy. It's literally so annoying. Like the amount of people that yeah. I hear or post about or see, like, or even like I you know I watch a lot of like cooking stuff on YouTube, and people like are now sponsored by like apple cider vinegar huh. throw away all your the cleaners entity, because you don't want it why would you clean your knives with something antibacterial that doesn't make any <laughs> sense because you have good bacteria in your gut that you're probably killing when you clean your knives oh with an- you should clean your knives with vinegar and it's like what well they're not they're not wrong to use vinegar as a cleaning agent but they are wrong to say that you shouldn't clean your knives also don't use apple cider vinegar just use like cleaning like vinegar vinegar like if i came up to this person if i came up to this person and said hey you know what the best thing for that sunburn is i would like i think that you should smear a, a, a the liquid remains of apples that have been rotting fermenting uh, on his skin yeah when you put it that way, I've just all about the presentation. That, like, you just when somebody like that asks you, you're just like, "Oh, I think you need, uh, I think you need some essential oil of like metoprolol, or like you need some essential oil of warfarin." You know, like just yeah. just put essential oil in front of whatever actual medication they oh need. Oh my like, gosh, oh, yeah, yeah, rebranding! Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's hilarious. Metoprolol needs better PR. Yeah, is what yeah, you're saying, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm a fan of essential oils if it's used correctly. And yeah. what, what would be the correct? Yeah, give use? me one. I actually, I actually use it for my face, so I I dilute it with like olive oil, mm-hmm. and I put it on after lotion, and it's really helped with like the acne, and like I use tea tree too. So I have to. S- I mean, I have we to have say, your skin tone. Yes, so, your I mean, face is very beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking that this whole time. <laughs> Listen, no one's. <laughs> to be saying... clear, I was just commenting on your skin. That's <laughs> not, that, not that. That's not. Oh, true, no, 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 but... no, no. He has the whole package, my yeah. friend. Oh, I'm not. I'm not denying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear if you put uh, apple cider vinegar in your eyes, it really helps. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do a little test on that. All right. Mm. Next show. For skin, good. For measles or something, no. M- mucous <laughs> membranes yeah. out. I thought you could Sunburns inject that in, uh, in the vaccine. Essential oils. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, All right, here we, here we go with the next one. Is it possible to damage your tongue by sticking it out too often? Sir, I've had an obsession with sticking out my tongue for the past two years and I'm just wondering whether I could have damaged my tongue in any way. If so, could this be the cause of the swallowing and speech difficulties that I am experiencing? That sounds like part of dyskinesia. Like, no, I, I feel yeah. like something else underlying is causing yeah. you to stick out your tongue, and that should be something to check out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I... I, I, this is on an, on a, I just thought of this on a... Maybe it's related note. Um... I, I've discovered that I might have restless leg syndrome. I just love bringing my own medical history into... It's not been diagnosed or anything. It's just something I realized maybe the other night. You know we're not doctors yet, yeah. right? I know. Like, no, I'm just saying that, you know, like... And and um, I'm not entirely clear on the causes of restless leg syndrome, and maybe other people aren't... I don't think anybody is. ...either. But it seems to be caused by, you know, some sort of... It may be caused by some sort of... Um, some sort of problem minor problem with nerve transmission or you know nerve impulse transmission or whatever and it just makes you feel like you want to move your legs a lot 
Yeah. Um, some people have said that if you take, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, magnesium. Yeah, it'll, magnesium. It'll, it'll help with that. There's a drugs. There's other drugs that can be tried with it. But the point is, maybe this guy is having restless tongue syndrome. It's pretty much the same uh, thing, <laughs> right? I don't. I. That don't sounds like a tick. Thing. Yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like a tick, but I feel like he because he says he's having an obsession with doing it. I feel like yeah. if it was a tick. It probably would be more plus trouble swallowing subconscious. Some like bulbar mm. symptoms. Yeah. yeah like it's not a compulsion. Good. Sounds like early ALS. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's what I was gonna but say. But his question was, is it dangerous? And I just kept thinking, as long as you're not standing next to a frozen telephone pole or something, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not. People, that some people have attached frenulums that can get ripped Ooh. by like. Oh, mm. like traumatically, but that would probably be sorted out when you're a kid. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I I was wondering if it, he's been sticking or she has been sticking out her. I guess I used a he voice. It's been sticking out his tongue continuously for the past two years. And maybe that was why he was having trouble swallowing I mean, <laughs> and, and Actually, eating. Yeah. Like Because um, it's really hard to eat with your tongue stuck out all the time. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's like, is it because of the tongue sticking out or is it because of this underlying issue? Mm. Yeah. Well, well if you're yeah, sticking... Man, you need to see a neurologist or some psychiatrist or somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not good. I guess a, a psychiatrist would say to rule out the medical possibilities first. So, mm. you know, that's true. Tell your primary care provider. Therefore implying that psych is not medical. <laughs> no, but that. No, but they like to use that as an excuse to right. have somebody else deal with it before they have to. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's try this one. Okay. So last night I put cinnamon all over my lips and let it sit there. Then I washed it off. A few hours later, I noticed a small kind of itchy bump, but painless near the corner of my lip. The next morning it got a little bigger, and my top lip was numb and was swelling and dry. Do you think this came from the cinnamon? I had a similar reaction when I used a cinnamon chapstick, but never a bump. Do you think this is a cold sore because I've never had one before? I haven't been kissing anyone. It's a lot of things to unpack there. Wow. I know. Wow, wow. Cinnamon in principle is supposed to be anti-inflammatory. Is it? I would think. I think that's that's one of the like benefits. Having a little wants. bit of allergic reaction. Yeah, this Maybe, person had know. something before to yeah. it, so it makes sense say. if you put it all over and leave it for the entire night. Something <laughs> would happen. And yeah. isn't it the case that sometimes if you if you have a maybe minor allergic reaction, it, yeah. it can progress the next time you, or can yeah, be you more serious the next time. Hypersensitive. You yeah. have to have an yeah. initial exposure to. And you can have a bump reaction. with al al allergic reactions too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. The numbness. My question is. I would. <laughs> they're not kissing anybody yet still doing quite a bit of intensive lip care so like <laughs> that's a good what point. is the it's preparation yeah that, for mean, that special just, person gonna be ready gonna it's have part of a courtship excellent actually. lips <laughs> cinnamon lips gonna yeah. blaze them away entice somebody to yeah so right. so there appears to be uh at a at a glance there appears to be a um a use of cinnamon as a lip plumper uh, so I guess maybe you just irritate the crap out of your lips and they look you swell up. They look yeah. more pretty. I wonder, I wonder oh. where the compounds in cinnamon are. Have some like topical like vasodilatory mm. or something. I wonder. I've maybe. heard of people doing that with pineapple. Apparently, because a I pineapple has a, an enzyme that I think digests some. Oh, of I I can tell them. you huh. that. I once ate a shitload of pine pineapple here in How Osaka. How much pineapple? <laughs> shitload, a mess, a giant amount of pineapple. Because I love pineapple. What's the it's conversion? Great. It's a beautiful yeah. tropical food. 
my second favorite fruit probably. But I burned the shit out of the inside of my mouth. It felt like the entire inside of my mouth had been sunburned. Like I'd been outside like aiming my gaping maw <laughs> up at the sun for hours. I like wonder how much of it had you had to eat to like start to notice that your mouth was... By the time I noticed it, it was far too late. <laughs> yeah, someone I know ate an entire pineapple by themselves and then for the next couple of days, their lips were just like completely swollen. Yeah. Like this. So I don't know if you want to... Huh. I, I didn't realize cinnamon had had a potential application as a as a lip plumper. The pineapple is verified by pineapple will work. The Kardashians heard of this. I well, <sighs> if they haven't, then get their expert opinion. It's already on their Instagram yeah. actually. Yeah. Okay. Bro, bromelain. Oh, is know. that it? it? Says that's the enzyme in pineapple that digests protein and often makes like the inside of your mouth like really tender feeling. I Mucus guess it just depends brains. like yeah how susceptible uh. maybe you are to that specific enzyme well how if you put it on red blood cells (laughs) (laughs) i smell a phd growing over there right right yeah we're giving away ideas for free here on the show podcast hard pass man i'm not (laughs) do not have the intelligence or the perseverance maybe one of our listeners can use that idea there you go all right let's try this one if you were going to lock me in a padded cell and i politely refused what would you do it's a that's, that's a great what? question. It's an excellent question. Purely theoretical. I think I course. think the ketamine would come in <laughs> hot right here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This sounds like a it's like the beginning of a psych question. God. Politely, this sounds what? like a budding BDSM Refuse. fetishist. Yeah, why? You know? Hold on, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, it's 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 a very simple question, but at the same time, it it just conjures. <laughs> All kinds of scenarios in your mind. Well, are they being yes. locked in the cell? As a Canadian, are they taking like requests? Are they, maybe they're. Like, are they, yeah. like, are I mean, they padded cell sounds like like you know like medical. I you know. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a psychish. Yeah. yeah, as opposed yeah. to like a room. Or I, I the, think the, this the person is not there. I think this person like is is you know just in case planning for the future. Like maybe right. there's nothing wrong yeah. right now, but it's always helpful to think about what ifs when you're mm-hmm. planning. What if somebody tries to lock me in a cell? Mm-hmm. And I politely refused. Politely, though, that's key. Would they, you know, would would the person trying to lock you in a cell be like, "Oh, all right, that's I, there's thank, like thank so you for many being polite." Angles to come at this. I'm just yeah. not sure what. Well, what think. would you do, Tony? Like, is this person asking seriously, or is like kind of a joke? Let's assume they're asking seriously. seriously. All right, so if they're asking seriously, um, well, I mean, we're gonna try to reason with them, like you know, present them why we want this to be done in the mm-hmm. first place. Talk to them, talk to their families, um, and I don't know, see where I mean, that goes. Presumably, if you're locking them in a padded room cell, so. uh, we, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we eschew the term cell <laughs> in the medical world. I mean, it could be consent, like it could be consensual. That would be the greatest, right? <laughs> it would be the greatest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the greatest. Now if we, you say so. Uh, now we yeah, know what Tony's know. all about. Presumably, <laughs> if you're locking someone in a padded cell against their will, you you know have some good reasons. Think they should be in there for. Okay, some but now reason. cell sounds like punitive, right? Yes, yeah. like exactly. Padded sounds like we're talking about a hospital. Cell sounds like we're talking about a jail. So. Yeah, I mean, if this is a hospital psych situation and you're putting somebody in the isolation room, mm. as we right. would call it, uh, <laughs> for their own self-protection and the safety and they of refuse others. to do it the answer is you, you call a judge give them the b52 <laughs> yeah first you call the judge then you give them the benadryl uh right, so if, this, if this person doesn't know what that means and it's just basically a court order where we yeah. get the judge you say we can do it 
Yeah. I guarantee this is someone just sitting around on a Friday night who took a little too much marijuana and is like, mm-hmm. hey guys, yeah, four or five marijuanas minimum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's never done marijuana, you can tell I don't know the lingo. But is I feel like we're like very professionally <laughs> dissecting. <laughs> Did you know that the... Uh, the learning communities here at the Carver mm. College of Medicine, for those who don't know, the learning communities are uh, a place where, um, you know, basically people come in to be a, students come into the college, they get uh, sort of randomly sorted into their various, the Hogwarts houses, various Hogwarts. learning communities. It's exactly <laughs> like that. Um, but they were originally called cells. <laughs> what? Which st- stood for uh, something like Communities for Excellence in Learning and Life or something like that. Wait, that sounds cute, like in the name of science and everything. Uh, but yeah. now that we've been talking about like... I'm just, you know, I'm just, it, it, jail stuff and, and it's not cute anymore. Sometimes when you've got, <laughs> sometimes when you've got a really good idea, you're trying to come up with a, with a, with a, you know, good term, marketing term for it. And mm-hmm. it just, in the long run, it doesn't pan out. I think, I think we made a good choice by dropping that, mm-hmm. that I think name. That, that would make a really uh, great game uh, for our show. Like to review some of the the funniest like acronyms or. <laughs> what was the acronym you were trying to say earlier? I don't know. That one Sh- didn't Shpep. Shpep. S H P E P. Yeah. Summer Health Professions Education Program. It's like not enough vowels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got to talk to them. Put a backronym to that one a little more, maybe. I don't know. Here's the best answer uh, for the padded cell question. Have one of my nurses squeeze your balls until you comply. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it'll well, work. That, wow. that would do it. That could do it. I feel too. like that would work. Is there an eponym for that maneuver, I wonder? Like, isn't that named after somebody? Is there a procedure code we can enter? <laughs> it's called the Wilson maneuver. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I actually don't think so. Uh, I think that's uh, that's something else. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not going to be connected to that one. Okay. All right. That's fine. If you, you, But someday, you're going to want to pull out that maneuver in the emergency room. Uh, <laughs> I think this is more along the BDSM lines that Tony was referring oh, to. There yeah, sounds yeah. more like up that alley, if I had to guess. Yeah, let me look at the user. Oh, yeah. Tony M. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who that is. Yeah. Oh. All right, last one. My girlfriend says she has antibiotic resistance. What is that? She says she cannot take antibiotics because her body is resistant to antibiotics, and so they are ineffective. She clearly has a vagina infection and refuses to get proper treatment. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of a lot of misconceptions in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, what I'm wondering is, is is your girlfriend a bacteria? Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Well, I don't, think, I don't think we have enough information to assert that she's not. I right. Mean. How many bacteria have vaginas? So. Well, I mean, a bacteria can in, invaginate. That is a good uh, point. Things to consume yep. them. Maybe that's what he meant. True. Well, okay. Let's start from the okay, let's start from the top here. What's the what's the first thing? What is it? Bac- what is antibiotic antibiotics, right. resistance? Antibiotics do not kill your body your body cannot be resistant to antibiotics because all everybody's body is resistant to antibiotics because they're not mm-hmm. anti your body they're anti mm. the biotics yeah the bacteria uh, it's yeah. the bacteria in yeah. your body that are resistant i would say that, that this this woman is potentially screwed uh because if she's resistant to antibiotics i hope she never gets some sort of uh, infection where she needs antibiotics. Well, you can be allergic to certain antibiotics, right? Yeah, well, she's resistant. resistant. <laughs> well, what type of vaginal infection are we talking about, right? Does she have a yeast infection yeah. or is it a trichomoniasis type situation? Yeah. Or? I don't know. I did find myself recently using uh, 
uh, uh, uh, vaginal cream on my neck because I tell had us a, more about that <laughs> wow. immediately. What well, the I just hell? I just had a, a mild uh, a mild uh, red you know rash on my neck from probably from the when, uh -huh. you know when the weather changed and you know I'm a sweaty guy and I would you know sounds like fibromyalgia, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> but my wife is like, well, just go get some vagina cream. Uh, it's right, it's the right. same thing as you know Who pretty much the same thing as yeah, pretty much the same thing as you would put That's on true. like a. She's, she's actually not. I, well, she's she's she knows what she's talking about, um, and it worked. I don't know why I brought that up, just because I want to say vagina cream. Mm. It's probably there. You go. That's why. why I'm a little bit surprised that you owned up to that. With hey, look, zero prompting. Look, <laughs> I mean, we, we learned I'm about your about, restless leg today yeah. and your vagina I'm telling cream you, neck. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love. There's something about me loves talking about. Is maybe I'm like a, a subclinical <laughs> hypochondriac or something like that. I mean, make I, us work for I just, it a little I, bit. Let us prize. I just, yeah. I just, you think, a little bit put your wife on blast for <laughs> vagina cream. She may not be. I didn't use. I had to go that. to the store to get it. Also. Oh, okay, okay. It wasn't. Pre it was a pre-existing. Got it. Yeah, got it. Is this like right. good save, good save. And I didn't go to the store. I didn't go to the store like seeking out of a, you know vagina cream. Yeah. Specifically, I was hoping to find you know like athlete's foot cream or something like that. You know, same. You know, so I didn't have to walk up to the register and be like, yeah, my. <laughs> I'm my sure. neck, my neck, vagina itches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, uh, you know, did you just get like a diaper rash cream for that? Also, I didn't that? think of that. Oh, well, all right. Is that yeah. is that is, is that a is that a? I would think so. It sounds like it's just chafing that's causing the itch. Well, I also had it on the inside. Well, anyway. Uh, tell, us, tell us more, Dave. This tell is not I, I an smell another game coming in which we read a bunch of scenarios and guess which ones are Dave's medical history related. God. <laughs> Someday we're going to regret this. Like my insurance company will be like, yeah, we're not going to cover that because you had a pre-investing, pre-existing -pre uh, vagina neck. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible condition to have. Yeah, sorry. man, you're a mess. There's yeah. no way we're covered. <laughs> <laughs> I will say you can be colonized with MRSA. That that is true. There are people who like you swab their nose, mm -hmm. and if they it's MRSA positive, you have to like treat them differently. Well, I would, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, are we not talking about quite the, the same thing? Well, as being resistant to antibiotics i will just squ squirt an unguent up my nose to treat that i'm sure it'll be fine central oils <laughs> yeah maybe maybe a little apple cider vinegar i heard it's i heard it's great for that <laughs> all right well uh i guess we're done god <laughs> with the show and we've gone like, so far god. off the rails yeah. let's, let's end it are there no more news articles to discuss why do you have something you would like to bring up aline there are no no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please come up with a good article and we can cut out the vagina next time. That, instead. <laughs> that yeah, is our show, I'm afraid. Uh, and we're going to leave it on the vagina neck. Tony, LJ, Aline, Matt, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Dave. Always a pleasure. And what sort of human garbage would I be if I didn't thank you listeners for making us a part of your week? And for all your questions, for your supportive t-shirt orders and your cookbook orders. Uh, if you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are available. We love answering your questions, so send them to theshortcoats at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And right now, while your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review that lets us know that you're happy with our work. 
The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Institute of Government and ongoing support from the Writing the Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.